Why are you here? You are here because the outside world rejects you. Number seven. This is so hard. Uh, please we gotta don't get hurt through me. it. Please don't hurt me. Iron Man, the first one. Surprisingly enough, number seven for me as well. Right. Iron Man, the first one. We got back to get. We got back on track. Right. So. Right. We're gonna be okay. <laughs> I mean, that's gonna be the. That's this is the tough one because it's number one with the critics, and it is number nine with the box office. So we're closer to the box office than the critics. I uh, think it's fair to say that the reason its box office is so low is because it was the first one. Yes. And 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 a lot of the reason why a lot of the other ones did so well is because of it. Like Iron Man is the reason why all of it is so successful because it was the first one. So why do you think it's so high with the critics? It was the first one. They they saw a comic book movie that was perfectly cast. I mean, in every way, like every single actor in that movie is perfectly cast. Right. They they saw one that where the director had managed to create something that was interesting and thoughtful. It talked about capitalism. It talked about you know sort of moral responsibility for you know industrialists. It talked about the war in Iraq a little bit. I mean, it talked about it touched on these serious things, but it was also just a joy to watch. It was a lot of fun. The action was great. You you were right there with Tony Stark. I mean, when he's trapped in that cave and and he thinks he's going to die, you see it on Robert Downey Jr.'s face. Like, he's like, oh, shit, what have I done with my life? And you want this guy to get out and do something with his life. Yeah. I think it has a right blend of humor and seriousness. And that's what you said a lot about Iron Man 3 couldn't do. And and that's the problem. You know, it's I think that's the problem for all of them is they suffer in comparison. I, I think one of the reasons why it has such a high critic score is because, like you said, it's the first one. And so it, you know, th- it was the right movie for the right time. So the fact, and like you talked about, like they talk about the war in Iraq, you know, with sort <laughs> of loosely, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, it, that, that was the time to make a commentary on the war on terror and Middle East, you know, conflicts. And stuff like that, but they did it in such a graceful way. I think like mm-hmm. they they didn't make it seem like all people from the Middle East are crazy terrorists, but they acknowledge there are some crazy terrorists in the <laughs> Middle East. Right. They and they kind of also captured like a lot of people get frustrated with America's role in the Middle East. I think they kind of still, even though sometimes the actions may not always be to everyone's liking, I think they captured the intent of America's role in the Middle East so much better than the real world does for that matter. <laughs> and, and it lifted Robert Downey Jr.'s career to a whole new stratosphere. <laughs> he was the perfect cast, uh, perfect casting choice. Favreau was the perfect director. Mm-hmm. They put a lot... It was a big gamble. A lot of people talk about Guardians of the Galaxy being their biggest gamble because you're using this obscure comic that not many people read. This was the biggest gamble because it was Marvel saying, we're going to make our own movies. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't. The, nobody owns these right, the rights to this character, and we've reacquired a lot of the rights to a lot of other characters, and this is perfect for us to set the stage. I mean, before this movie came out, did anybody care about Iron Man? They called him a C-level hero. Yeah, and and today he is much different. It's amazing what the movies can do to a character, especially if you have the right actor. 
Right. Now we've gushed. We've gushed. It's a great movie. But I think the reason why it's right in the middle of the list for me is because it did such a good job setting up every other movie that I have above it. <laughs> every, every movie that I rank above this is better because Robert Downey Jr. is better, because all the other characters are better, because the stakes of the stage that this movie set, they got to do so much more with it. And it's much more of a Marvel film. I, and I think that it's, it's you know, it, it was another thing it suffers from, and the reason why it's in the middle is time. I mean, it was eight years ago now. <laughs> so right. it's, you know, and that's one of the things, like I said, it was really hard for me to rank them because you don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. I just saw Civil War. Of course I like it better than Iron Man 1 because I don't remember what it was like the first time I saw Iron Man 1. So the one thing, uh, the last thing I'll say for this one, though, is the one thing that really captured me with this movie, I remember the first time I saw this movie was with you, and we were it, we were at a friend's apartment. It was my birthday actually. It was mm-hmm. it was uh, it was the day before my birthday. We started the movie at like eleven thirty. We paused the movie at midnight so everybody could wish me happy birthday. Then right. we played the movie. There was this one the the part where he goes to the Middle East, the like first time in the Iron Man suit, right before he flies back and the and he's you know fighting with the Air Force and Rhodey's on the phone with him. Yeah, he's got the screen up. And I think this is just kind of like, there's so many moments, like I said, that I have where my jaw just drops. I'm sure you remember my reaction. They all have the citizens with the guns to their heads. Yes. And he, like his screen just pops up. It's like citizen terrorist, citizen terrorist. And he shoots all, he gets a headshot. Like, <laughs> and all the, all the civilians are safe. <laughs> and he did that. And I was just like, oh, did he really just do that? <laughs> yes. Uh, wow. Yeah, I do remember that viewing party, actually. Then now that you mentioned it, I brought my DVD over and uh, and was like, let's watch it. And you were like, okay. Oh, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I was excited to watch it because I had always loved comic book movies up until that point. But, yeah. I, I, you know, I'd never heard of Iron Man at that. But that's why I say he's become he went from a C-list character. To, I was like, hell, I watch, I'll watch any comic book movie. And like I said, it's really easy to entertain me. That's why Iron Man 3 pisses me off so much. It's like, like, I like movies a lot of people hate. Like, I, I like X-Men 3. Everybody hates X-Men 3. It's easy to entertain me. But this, I mean, this was a completely different movie in a good way. Like, it, it, was, it took comic book movies into a new style and a new realm. And it was so much fun. But, again, like, the reason why I have it so low is it, it does such a good job setting the stage for every movie that follows. So. Right. Yeah. All right. Number okay. six. Number six. Thor, The Dark World. Really? Okay. Number six for you. Number six for me is, we've already talked about it, Ultron. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's so, legit. <laughs> uh, let's do mine first. Yes. Okay. So Ultron, as we already stated, number two on the box office and number 10 with the critics. I, you know, like I said, it was just so hard after this, after uh, after number nine for me. Eight and up was such a battle, especially like three through eight. Like I, I could probably move three through eight all around and it'll still be okay with me. Mm-hmm. Ultron was such a fun movie. And I understand, like I said, it's so flawed. Like there's so many flaws with it. But... It's also so rich. Like the yes. reason why it's flawed is there's so much to unpack. I have so much fun watching that movie because of how deep it is. There's there's so many themes, there's so many characters, there's so many like, you know, tie-ins to the, you know, the past films, the future films. 
and it's just fun. And you know, we've talked about villains a lot. I I thought Ultron was a great villain. I I think that uh, Spader just was amazing. You know, capturing all these. I mean, he did motion capture, but but all he's doing for the most part is the voice. And the way he delivers it is just like he—he he feels like a villain. And I don't think there are a lot of MCU movies, like a lot of the solo movies. The thing about Avengers movies, you just—you have to, in order to make an Avengers movie work, you have to feel the epicness of the situation. Right. And you always feel the epicness of the situation. You understand that they're not fighting somebody very easily, easy to discard. You are fighting a, a, a robot who can swerve through the internet. You are fighting a, someone, something, not even someone, something who is hell-bent on global destruction. And I just loved that. It, w- it was so much fun. And that is the thing is, you know, like, that's what frustrated me about ranking Guardian so low, is that I like to have fun when I watch comic book movies. That is my thing. If I'm having fun, you got my marks. So... To me, it was fun. It was yes. so much more fun than a lot of the movies I have below it. I mean, the only movie I have ranked below it that is fair to compare on how fun it was is Guardians. Every other movie is nowhere near as fun as this film. And I love the introduction of you know the new characters, the, the new trio, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Vision. And a lot of people said that Quicksilver's death didn't mean anything because... We, you know, you killed a character who we had just met. It I meant something to me. I, that's the thing is, I felt like I watched a movie that did a good enough job making me emotionally attached to a new character and still making me feel hurt when he died. And not only so, like the way he died, he saved someone else's life. He started off as a bad guy. Yeah. And went all the way to the other end of the spectrum to save someone else's life because it was the right thing to do. You know, and and he saved someone who was the face of what he hated. I mean, the real face of who he hated was Stark because, you know, him and Wanda are like, you know, the bomb and the childhood. Yeah, yeah, they have that story from their childhood. But like Hawkeye represents the Avengers and and the one on one stuff he has with Hawkeye from the moment he comes on screen, he punches him really fast. And so you didn't see that coming. And there's just all kinds of. You know, like the part where he hits him to save Wanda and he says, yeah, you better run. And the bullet that slows down and he's like, you didn't see that coming. And and even the, the talk that Hawkeye has with his wife where he's like, Ultron's got these these kids, punks, really, but I'm going to teach them a lot. <laughs> like all that and then the Scarlet Witch-Hawkeye relationship that they build based on their pep talk and everything, it meant more. The fact that he named his son, like his, middle, his, son's, yeah, his son's middle name is named after him, it that death meant more than a lot of people give it credit for. You know, I just, Quicksilver really is in, so he's probably my top seven comic book characters for me. He, he always entertains me. He has, know, a lot he, of people say that Days of Future Past did him better. I disagree. I, no, I disagree as well. I really do. There's, he is a more serious character. He's, he's more uh, close to what we see in Age of Ultron in terms of, I mean, and I, yeah, I get People who don't read comics, they just want to be entertained. I get that. And Evan Peters is what uh, Quicksilver is very entertaining. Like, really just extremely entertaining. But, no, in this one, he is a more serious character, and that is more in keeping with who he is in the comics. Well, yeah, and what what I would respond to that is I I think Evan Peters does a better job of playing Quicksilver, but uh, 
Aaron Taylor James. That that his name? Right? Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Aaron Taylor Johnson. My bad. Generic <laughs> names are hard to remember. Very generic <laughs> names. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I think he plays Pietro better. So, you know, and that's kind of like what I was saying earlier about about uh, Iron Man 2 is like, you know, you have to blur the character, the superhero and the, the person. And I like Pietro better than I like Quicksilver, if that makes any sense. You know, and so that's why I like this version of Quicksilver much better, because I think Aaron Taylor Johnson just did a better job of capturing who the character is. So, well, and I and I cared about him, right? Because he's not he's not just a medium for jokes. He's not a vehicle for humor. He's he's somebody who has his own thoughts and opinions. When he looks at the helicarrier, when the helicarrier comes to save the people of Sokovia, and he says, "This is Shield," and Captain America says, "This is what Shield was supposed to be," and and then he says, "This isn't so bad." I just about cried mm-hmm. because that if ever there was a commentary on like this is what American intervention should look like, it should look like helping people. And and this is a, a guy who's experienced the downside of American intervention in world affairs and who's now looking at, at what it could have been or what it should have been. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I gosh, just about cried. But it's it's again, it's a really good movie and you're right. It's very deep. It's got a lot of themes, it explores a lot of ideas. And it's it's a really, really ambitious movie. It's just a couple of sequences that kind of drag down the pace and and that don't quite work. Yeah, I think honestly, if you if you could find a better way to incorporate Thor's jacuzzi, yes, <laughs> I think I think that would make it so much better. Like, I, I, there's been a lot of uncut. Uh, you know, I, I don't have the Blu-ray. I know you do, but like, there's uh-huh. a lot of deleted <laughs> scenes there that kind of do it. A l- I don't want to say justice, but more justice than what we got. <laughs> you know, so. right? And and some, I think it had more humor than any other film. And, and the right kind of humor all the way to the part where Vision lifts the hammer. <laughs> you know, like, yes. That, yes. That was another moment. I, that that film actually had two moments for me. When I talk about the jaw-dropping moment, that was one, like the hammer, because the theater just erupted when that happened. Mm-hmm. And the other one was the what I like to call the splash page, like where they're in the temple guarding the, the switch and all the Ultron bots yes. start swarming yes, them. Yes. And you just have the camera do that full circle where you see every character. You see Hawkeye throwing bows, Black Widow shooting guns, Thor kicking and swinging his hammer, Vision flying and doing, you know, putting his arms through their bodies and ripping them apart. And, you know, Cap does this weird tumble thing with his shield. And yeah, it's, it, it's, it's everybody, and, yes. Yeah, and Thor is just eating them all. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I thought, and, and that is what comic book is supposed to be. That is the splash page. You know, like when you are reading a comic book, there's always that what we call a splash page. You turn the book, it might take up one page, it might take up two, where you just see this really big, impactful scene that is drawn out to encapsulate what the whole story was about, and that's what it was about, and it, it was it was great. So, fantastic. Number, number six for me, I honestly probably should have ranked it higher, <laughs> but you know, six is a good spot for it. So, okay, your number six was Thor: The Dark World. The reason why I wanted to go first is because Thor: The Dark World is my number five. So okay. you and I can talk about it together. Before we move on, it is number, the lowest ranked. It is in the terms lowest of, ranked yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. Right in the middle, number seven at the box office. I maintain it would have been much higher if it would have been given a non-November release. If, it, if you were to put this in the heart of summer, it would have been much better. Yes, for sure. So 
this movie is not liked by a lot of people. I, I pose to you two questions. Why do you think that, and why do you like it so much more than most? There's always been this split between Thor on Asgard and Thor on Earth. And, and Thor on Asgard is played more for comedy, and the supporting characters are a little ridiculous. Sorry, Thor on, Thor on Earth. I said that, right? The supporting characters are a little bit ridiculous, a little bit funny on Earth. And then it's a more serious sort of Shakespearean drama in Asgard. And I feel like this finally did justice to Asgard. We got to see like a big, full, populated Asgard and a sort of cosmic Thor who, is, who really is a prince of of this planet that is part of a, a network of planets and that he you know he, he does have this big important job to do up there and i i just really loved that i loved that they finally took it out to an epic level that was one of my problems with the first one you know is that there was not enough asgard like asgard was there but asgard just kind of seemed like this little small home and then he goes to earth and it didn't have the big stakes of who Thor actually is. So, yeah, I, I agree with you a lot there. I, so I think that what people didn't like was that on Earth, suddenly the big action came to Earth. And and Darcy was involved in it and Selvig were involved in it. And that yeah. doesn't feel quite right. I like Selvig. I, I understand people's reason for Darcy. <laughs> yes. And, and Darcy was very a lot more front and center than she should have been this time around. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Needed needed less Darcy. I I can acknowledge that there are things about this movie that could have been done better, like for example, less Darcy and that sequence where Darcy and her boyfriend, whose name I have forgotten because he's so unimportant. The interns intern. <laughs> the interns intern are running around and and sort of being, you know, chased by the aliens and and he lifts the car and like I I felt like that it that didn't kill me or anything. I wasn't like oh I hate this movie. But I can see how somebody would have been like, well, this is a little annoying. Can we get back to what's important? I would go back to what I said about Iron Man 2. I think another reason why people didn't like it is because they didn't like the villain. They thought Malekith was kind of a weak one-off villain, which I, I agree with the one-off. I don't necessarily agree with the weak part, mainly because he just wasn't on camera. And I th what frustrates me about that is, is I see the flaw in people's logic who don't like it. I've said this before. They they don't like the villain, they don't like Malekith, but they love Loki. They want <laughs> so much Loki. Well, part of the reason why Malekith didn't get the screen time or the power that he should have is because they had to do fan service and put more and Loki, Loki. Mm -hmm. So, like, the reason why they don't like it is their own damn fault. <laughs> like, yes. if you wouldn't gush about Loki so much, then Malekith could have been a really, really good villain. And, and I still think, like, you know, they, they undersell Malekith. Like, like I said, it, it's, it is annoying that there's a lot of one-offness. You know, Red Skull technically could come back. Uh, Zemo can and should come back. Yes. Uh, I actually think Ultron can come back while people say that Ultron was a one-off villain. Whiplash can't. <laughs> there's a lot of the Destroyer, obviously, can't. Ronan the Accuser can't. So there are a lot of one-off villains, but yeah, I mean, he kills Thor's mom. Rene yeah. Russo did, you know, Rene Russo got more screen time and, and was and, wonderful. Yeah, she did such a good job because she had that motherly like this whole time where just you know Thor versus Loki, and Thor has right on his side, and Loki did a lot of bad things, and Odin clearly sides with right, and he's not really Odin's son. 
but like the motherliness of Rene Russo. And even so, it filters into what Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth do when they have to work together is just that they're doing it for mom. Like, yep. what, what mom. a great theme. Like, have you not ever had the same kind of situation with your own siblings where you have to put aside your frustration with your sibling because of your mother? Because you don't <laughs> yes. want to because you don't want you're doing it for mom, you're not doing it for them. <laughs> I mean, that's such a great theme, and I think a lot of people just gloss over that. I just think this film had so much good working for it. Another reason, and and I'll admit this, I have it at number five. I probably have it higher than I really should because I feel like I'm tirelessly defending it. <laughs> yes. And, and so there could be a good chance that in, if I was unobjective, I could rank it lower at like maybe seven or eight. But I just love this movie so much. And another thing is this this was the exact follow-up of Iron Man 3. Yes. It came and right I, after Iron Man 3. I saw this after Iron Man 3, and I was just, it's not even funny how much better this movie is. And, yes. and the writing, uh, Marcus again, Mark, what's, what's the other name? Christopher Marcus, and who's the other one? McFeely. Yes, McFeely. <laughs> they were the writing team. The humor flowed so well with the action. It was so well-paced. And I was just like, Iron Man 3, why couldn't you do this? Every moment that Thor and Loki were on screen together was so entertaining. Every single moment that Thor and Loki were on screen together, they like every single moment of it, it was amazing and wonderful. And the perfect <laughs> ending, the perfect ending. Yes. <laughs> Loki posing as Odin. What better ending? What yes. better way to say your favorite character, your favorite villain is not dead yet, you know? Right. And he's still got more. And, and I think it's going to play well into whenever he comes back. Which obviously will be Thor Ragnarok and hopefully some Avenger Infinity movies. So I want to yeah. see the Hulk beat up Loki again, don't you? Well, it could happen. I know because he's in the movie. Yeah, yeah. they could say Mark Ruffalo's in it. So that okay, is entertaining as hell, and that's that's the final word on it. I hope hope everybody gives it another shot. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, of course, sends us hate mail because they think it's stupid. But whatever, we uh, went to bat for it. We stand by it. So, what right. is your number five movie? Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, okay, let's go. Gloves are off. Gloves are off. I don't know how you can rank that movie above all these other movies. It was what? so good. No, it, it was not. It was wonderful. Oh, my it God. It was not. It, it was the best origin story. Really, it did the, it handled the origin story the best. It showed him as the little guy in Brooklyn. It showed what his life was like. It made you really care about him and Bucky and that dynamic. It made you understand that this was somebody who wanted to serve and who was alone in the world and who loved his country the way he loved his family. And it, gosh, the way it handled Dr. Erskine so that when he dies, as you knew he had to, you were actually sad. The Oh, gosh, no, it was wonderful. This, every, every, all the casting. Casting was amazing, as we've already mentioned. I enjoyed the action, the creative use of the shield, the the fact that they were, again, it was unabashedly a comic book movie, completely unashamed of, of how comic booky it was. It was unashamed of its tone. It was unashamed of its own earnestness. It didn't, it didn't mind that it was a sweet movie about a sweet guy. And I love that they did not try to make Steve dark. They didn't try to make him something that he's not. Major, major props. Extremely well done. So you don't get bored at all with this movie. There is nothing about the long, drawn-out originness. There is nothing about the stupid 
like marketing campaign that he has to do on the stage as a not a soldier but a flag waving poster boy. There's nothing about that that upsets you. It doesn't entertain you that later on little boys like Phil Coulson are going to collect Steve Rogers cards because Yes, but that <laughs> happens in Avengers. That doesn't happen in Captain America the first Avenger. Right, but you do see at the very end little boys are all playing Captain America in the street and they have and they have their comic books. Look, I can respect the character and I think it did a lot of decent work, but it's a stage film. Like it is setting the stage for what they're going to do later and I that because of that I think there are where did I there are 10 movies better than it in my opinion. <laughs> There are 10 movies in this universe alone <laughs> that are better than this. I just disagree with you. I, this is the one we're, we're probably the furthest apart on. Right, right. As you know, you already mentioned I like period pieces. I I like origin stories if they're done well. I love Captain America. So it, it hits a lot of the sweet spots for me. Maybe I could have liked this movie more if it came out in like 2004 or 5. Because I've... By the time you get to 2011, that is the thing, is I was sick of origin stories. Like, origin stories have gone past me, which is why I'm excited about Black Panther, because I felt they kind of did his origin story already in Civil War, and even arguably Ultron by talking about Wakanda and Ulysses Claw. So (laughs) I I think that's good. I I don't know what we're going to get out of Doctor Strange. I hope they don't beat the origin drum too much, (laughs) (laughs) but... Captain Marvel as well. I don't know what they're going to do with her. I hope she's integrated more in previous films to where we can not feel like it's a long, drawn-out origin story. We've, I've seen too many of them. And, and by the time 2011 came around, and especially in 2016, I'm a little sick of them. <laughs> so that's why I have it so much lower than you do. All right. Okay. All right, what number are we on? We're going to number four, aren't we? Yes. Number four. Okay. I actually think we're we're kind of coming back together. We're we're kind of closer. Well, what's left over for most of us is for for, that, for for both of us is basically the same. But anyway, it's pretty go. close. Okay, what's number four for you? Captain America: Civil War. Civil War, really? Okay, you put it down at four. All right, mine is Captain America: Winter Soldier. Okay. I, I can, very good films. <laughs> right, right, right. Films. Exactly. Once once you're up in the top five, you're you're not uh, you're not doing too shabby, I don't think. Okay, so Civil War just came out, so I want to know, like, you saw it. Did you know this is where you were going to put it? How did you feel about putting it here? Did you have to move it down or up? I thought I was going to put it at three or four because I knew that there were a couple others that I had liked more. This again, this is not to say that I didn't walk out like that was so good. It it's a little too. It's hard to watch, you know what I mean, and and that does, in a good way, right? It, yeah. It's it's it, painful, right? It's painful. It hurts. It's hard to watch. So it's not one that I'm going to watch again and again. Well, I say this as someone who's seen it multiple times, but I once I own it on DVD, I'm not going to be like, let's bust out Civil War every weekend for the rest of my life. But I don't necessarily want to watch it again and again, and that is one of my factors when I sort of judge it. It was great when it came to integrating all the characters into the story. It was fan- It was fantastically written. It was fantastically paced. It, really, there's next to nothing wrong with this movie. I, I just dropped it down a little bit because, again, I, these, the ones ahead of it, I would watch again and again and again. I, I disagree with that 
just that part, like I would watch it again and again. To me, it was a movie I can watch again and again and again. And I, I feel like it's a great movie. I, I look forward to when it's available on DVD or iTunes or whatever so you can have it on your own to watch again and again. Because I also think it's a great movie to hold you over. <laughs> like, like we have to wait, you know, like, oh gosh, we have to wait years, one year, two years between right. movies. <laughs> Cranking them out so fast. But I, I feel like it's a good movie to hold you over. And I, I think the rewatchability value is much higher for me. So, I mean, we just did a whole review on it, so I don't know what else I could say about it. <laughs> it, it was higher for me. That's all I can say. Um, Winter Soldier, number four for me. I loved this movie. I think this one has high rewatchability as well. I yes, feel like it does. I, could, uh, I think I did see this one two or three, at least two, maybe three times in the theaters. And I, I think what kind of makes it so much higher for me, and I'm laughing at this because you haven't ranked this one yet. You just you just said two cat movies, so three of the cat movies are in your top five. I think we know who your favorite character is. <laughs> But uh, to me, having talked about putting the original Cap all the way down at 11, I just felt like it took Cap to a whole new level. I don't think a lot of people expected this to be as good. I, I think that it was the surprise goodness of it is what put it to a new level. And so I, just, I thought it was so good. It was a spy thriller. You were always entertained. You know, and even doing something as crazy as as eliminating Shield or saying Shield was Hydra all along, it's it didn't bother me. It bothered a lot of other people, but it didn't bother me. So the only thing that bothered me about it is why did you make a show called Agents of Shield if you knew you were going to do this all along? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and I'm sure that's a topic we'll save for another day with the TV movie disconnect that Marvel seems to have. Mm-hmm. But I, I just uh, I love this movie. Falcon was a great introduction. We introduce a new character. We bring in an old character. Black Widow shines, and you know, and a lot of people are frustrated that Black Widow hasn't gotten her own movie. But I feel like when she comes out, she has a ro- a front and center role. Agreed. And I and I think she did. Scar- Scarlett Johansson just does a great job with the character, and I think she was well written in this movie, and she does a great job. I guess if I'd give it one like thing that didn't work for me is that. I, I can't take Colby Smulders seriously as Maria Hill, and I think whenever she showed up in this movie, it just it didn't work for me. So that that was disappointing. I, I thought we could have had something better than than Maria Hill. So, and and, I, and she's Robin Trubatsky. I can't take that seriously. She's always going to be a How I Met Your Mother character. So that's probably like the only negative thing I'd say about it, which is you know I, I can live with it. You know? Right, so, right. Good movie. Uh, Winter Soldier was number six at the box office. And, and Civil War um, is probably going to end up number two well, or Civil three. Civil War is currently, currently number four. Yeah, but it's, impact- it's probably going to end up two or three. I think, I think it'll end at three. The only one, it has the, it's below Iron Man 3 and both Avengers movies. I think it'll beat Iron Man 3. I don't think it'll beat Ultron. But because if it beats because Ultron and, and the first Avengers are so slim it's such a slim difference mm-hmm. so I, I don't think that's going to be able to, to get in between them if, if it does pass Ultron I think it's going to pass Avengers so but uh, Civil War is number four on the critics as well and Winter Soldier is number five on the critics so we're, we're both in the ballpark of where, where they should be so okay. at least where the, where the populace says they should be and now it is time for my top three. Winter Soldier, 
Number three. Number three for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there any more you really want to say on it that I didn't already say? It was it was a spy thriller, political thriller. So it was more like the French connection. People are always talking about giving credit for these movies doing something different, right? Yeah. That, that was a pretty different direction for this character, but it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked really well. And it did, a, it did an excellent job setting up his changing relationship with authority. Because Captain America's relationship with authority in that first one is that the United States government and the United States military are forces for good. And that he will work for them and within the chain of command in order to achieve that good. He may not always agree with his orders, but he will follow them because he's a good soldier. That's what he does. This time it was, I don't agree with my orders and I'm starting to not like the way I'm treated. But then moving beyond that, the thing I'm working for is not a force for good. It turns out that authority is not always right. And I thought that that was a really interesting thing to do to that character, to to take the guy who has always had faith in the system and to show him that the system isn't just a little flawed, the system is bad. Well, it's funny because we've talked about, we talked a lot last week about Tony Stark's character arc and, and they're complete opposites, you know? Mm-hmm. Tony Stark starts his government, get the hell out of my business, I'm going to do whatever I want, whatever I want, and you can't tell me what to do, where, you know... Steve Rogers is that obedient soldier who takes orders, and and they just completely flip. And I think it's just because Steve sees what's wrong with the system. You know, he's smart, <laughs> and he he realizes that. And I think it was uh, I think he's had a great character arc into knowing what he'd do next. And I think that's what makes Civil War better. I think that's you know what makes Age of Ultron better. You always know where Cap stands, and you always know where he's going. So. Well, and he's, he's a very complex, well-fleshed-out character, so you can have sort of debates over what he's thinking and what's going on because he's a complete human being. Mm-hmm. And, and you can watch his thinking change and have it feel organic. And like, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel odd at all that he turns on S.H.I.E.L.D. because we right. know enough about who he is, as you've said, what his personality is and how he's always right, to, to understand that if he sees a situation going south, he can't walk away. Sometimes he wishes he can. No, you don't. <laughs> you no, go. you don't. Yeah. All right. Uh, number three for me <laughs> is something you had much lower, Ant-Man. I, I don't like, actually hate that choice at all. It's a really entertaining movie. It's really good. Speaking again of doing something different, it's a heist movie. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't hate that choice at all. And like I said, it was extremely hard for me to put it low. I wouldn't necessarily put it in the top three, like above... Oh gosh, like for me, it would have go, that would have placed it above Civil War and above Captain America: The First Avenger. But no, I I thought that that was very well done, and it's an origin story. I thought you were sick of origin stories. No, I didn't. That's the thing is, I didn't feel like it was an origin story because it's not an origin story for Ant Man. It's an origin story for Scott Lang, mm-hmm. but Hank Pym was already Ant Man, so that's already been well established, and that's kind of what's cool about it. If if uh, to me, the reason why it's number three is because it's fun, you know. Like I said, and and maybe I'm biased because I'm Mexican and I thought Michael Pena was amazing, and he's, <laughs> only, he's the only Hispanic in the entire MCU. Come on, guys. <laughs> but I had so much fun with it, and when I look at it from an MCU perspective, and the thing is, it took me a while to like it. I saw this three times in the theaters, and I didn't like it the first time. And, and, no, I take that back. I, did, I don't want to say I didn't like it. I just didn't know how I felt about it. I had to watch it a few times. But like the 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 fact that Hank Pym already existed in this world bypassed a lot of that origin stuff that frustrates me, and I think that 
it, they had a lot of good nods to the character. And, you know, I don't read Ant-Man. I, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people don't. But <laughs> I, I still know enough about... He, he's so integral with the Avengers. So everything I know about Ant-Man mostly comes from the Avengers. And I liked that they they made Darren Cross Yellow Jacket, even though Hank Pym was the original Yellow Jacket. I liked that they just, you know, they they had fun, they made jokes, they, but their stakes were still serious. It 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 worked and I liked the I liked the Hank Pym backstory. It worked so well with the, you know, my my wife went subatomic, so we know that Janet Van Dyne somewhere in a, on a subatomic level and we know that he worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. and had beef with Howard Stark, and, and that kind of feeds into the fun of the joke that was in Civil War, where, where Scott Lang says, you can never trust a Stark, and Tony Stark says, who are you? <laughs> so, but it, and to me, it kind of shows that there are people just as smart as Tony Stark, and Bruce Banner for that matter, in the world, that may not be as prominent, you know, but they they can disagree with them, and be justified in their disagreement, because you don't doubt their intelligence. So... Well, and, and Hank Pym was an actual superhero with a secret identity yes. that, that no one knew he was Ant-Man. I thought that that was really interesting, that this was this was a guy who in the 60s was doing the espionage, secret identity, you know, like the true superhero stuff in the vein of what really only Daredevil is doing nowadays. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it in just terms of heroes, regardless of secret identity, he predates all of them but Cap. Like mm-hmm. Cap is the only superhero that came before him. So I, I just think it was so fun. And Michael Pena just delivers a great performance. You don't see uh, supporting characters shine as much as he does. I, yeah. like, in fact, I challenge you right now. Can you think of anybody, any supporting character who does as good a job as Michael Pena does? Sam, Wilson. have, Sam Wilson's Falcon. It doesn't have okay. superpowers. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Yeah, because most of them they they've given them superpowers or they've done something to to make them. I guess Eric Selvig. I like, wouldn't compare him to Michael Payne. I think he he's good, but I wouldn't compare him to Michael Payne's character. I you know I also I mean just I could watch I watch it over and over again on YouTube all the time. I just watch love watching the video where he narrates his stories. You know, like. Yeah, you know, I was with my cousin Ignacio at a wine tasting. You know, but I don't really like wines, but there was a rosé that saved the day. It was delightful. You know, stuff. Like, and, and but you see all the other characters mouthing what he's saying. Like, that's just really good, really fun film. Extremely creative. Yes, that that movie was very creative, and the action sequences, the ways that they use the shrinking, and yeah, it really that movie is in many, many, many ways an outstanding film, and I have no problem with you putting it up pretty high. Okay. So number two, I think I know what your number two is, so I want to hear your number two. Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. I, I'm glad it was Guardians of the Galaxy, because I know what two are left, so I know what your number one is, obviously. I'm sure everybody else does by process of elimination. Right. Uh, my number two is Civil War, so just, uh, like I said, we've talked about it so much, especially with the last episode. To me, I knew that Civil War was either going to be my one or two, and I think I put it at my number two because I pulled back the lens and said, if I put it number one, I'm being a prisoner of the moment. So I, I bumped it down to two. Maybe it'll reclaim number one at some point, but that's really all I can say. So right. I had, I think you and I are in the same boat. Like You had Ant-Man much lower, and you said you don't blame me for having Ant-Man where I have it. I have Guardians much lower, and I don't blame you for having it where you have it. So I pointed out some flaws that were, you know, very, very minor, but 
why does this work for you so much more than all the other films? Uh, you know, I thought I'm not asking you why it's good because everybody knows why it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you can talk about why it's good, but you know, I, 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 the first thing I want to know is why you rank it above everybody else. Right. I, I saw it in the theater for the first time, and I have never before experienced. I was watching it, and I thought this is what it was like for people in the '70s who saw Star Wars for the first time. This mm. is this is what this is that feeling, and because I. I didn't, didn't get that feeling, right? Most of us saw Star Wars at home on, on the TV and we grew up with it. Maybe we don't even remember seeing it for the first time because we saw it when we were three years old. What's a VHS? <laughs> What's that? You know, like most, most of us didn't get to experience that, that you saw it in the theater and you didn't know what it was and you didn't know what you were in for. And, oh my God, this is an amazing, beautiful cosmic adventure and I knew what Guardians of the Galaxy was, is what's funny, is I, I, you know, Rocket Raccoon's crossovers with other characters always crack me up. Yeah. Like, really, I think he's a hilarious character. And I knew, I knew basically who each of these people were. I cannot claim to have read tons and tons of Guardian comics, but I, you know, like, I knew basically what, what they were and what was going on, which is more than most people could claim. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what to expect from this movie. And it was just this amazing blend of a great cinematography, great... Oh gosh, the emotional moments, the the fact that they grounded it in in Peter Quill's kind of sense of being lost and abandoned and and uh, without a family. Again, the cosmicness of it, right? Like you're in outer space, and it mm. and it's this space opera, and it's so fun and it's so fresh. And yeah, it was just really it was fantastic all around. And I do wish I I'll say this that they had fleshed out Ronan more because Ronan could have been a much more interesting villain than they ended up letting him be. But well, you know it, that just goes back to what I've been saying about every villain: screen time. Yeah, they didn't get enough of it. And and I think one of the things, and that's probably why I have it. I I mean I probably should have it higher on my list, but I definitely wouldn't put it as high as two. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like. There was too much they had to do to set up five individual heroes. Right. Well, I, I guess you could say four because Groot doesn't take much. <laughs> I am Groot. Yeah. But you had to set up four individual heroes above a villain. And you chose a too good a villain to start with is really what it was. Because you needed a villain who was going to be okay with not having screen time. And Ronan is worth so much more screen time than he got. Yes, he is. For sure. I but seriously, when the Nova Corps, when you saw the Nova Corps in action in their fighters, and they locked and formed that blockade, and then the and then the ships started being destroyed, I I just about cried. I really did. I I just never thought I'd get to see that. Really, like you know, as when you think about what the Nova Corps is, you just never think it's going to make it to a movie. And I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I hate that I have it so low. I, 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 like I said, I don't think I'd put it quite at number two, but I, I would, like, I have no problem. I said this before, three through eight were really hard for me. I think if I you took my three through eight and you scrambled them around, I'd probably still be okay with it <laughs> because somebody has to get left out. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what you said rings true for me. I read the Michael uh, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, got his name, dyslexia (laughs) i I read brian michael bendis's uh run on guardians like a year or two before it came out i think it was a year maybe a year and a half before it actually hit theaters and yeah i mean like you said i got familiar with these characters before i went into theater so that was a lot of fun and i just feel 
like I shortchanged it so much. But like I said, I think be- if there was more MCU involvement, it could have been better. Well, I Thanos. I, I could have ran that. Yeah, no, I think Thanos was cool, but Thanos really hasn't done much in any movie. I mean, you have two after credit scenes and what happened in The Guardians. And what was cool about it to me, this is something I shortchanged on Thor The Dark World earlier, is I, I talked about those moments where my jaw drops. I didn't really, I don't think I had a jaw dropping moment in Guardians. But I just remember feeling it was very important when Thanos showed up on screen, you know, where mm-hmm. he has the whole talk with Ronan and says, I will bathe the starways in your blood. <laughs> like, I liked that. And I remember watching it and thinking it was so impactful. But the reason it was so impactful is I go back to Thor The Dark World, is that after credit scene. I don't think people give that the after credit scene in Thor The Dark World enough credit because in one after credit scene, they made... What number was that? It was number eight. They made seven movies make sense, and they made every movie after that make sense. By saying by them going to the collector, which Benicio Del Toro, also fun character, did a good job. Mm-hmm. They go to the collector and they say it is not wise to keep two Infinity Stones so close together. Without that, this movie doesn't really work because it's just what's what's an Infinity Stone? But in that one sentence, and I went, I remember in that after credit scene, I watched all the other movies like as soon as I saw that, and so much started making more sense. There were so many, like, so tightly woven the writing is, and and people don't really realize that. So when I saw Thanos on screen in Guardians, I I felt the gravity of the situation. But there just wasn't a, a moment in the movie that made my jaw drop. It, it was fun, and I, I certainly agree with you. And that's why I say I don't think it's as fun to watch in the living room. It's really a movie you have to watch in theaters. So It is number three for critics. Number three for critics and number five at the box office. So, which, I mean, you know, like I, I talked about earlier, people said it was their biggest gamble. I didn't think it was their biggest gamble, but it certainly was a gamble, and it paid mm-hmm. off. Big times. So <laughs> I think this and James Gunn. I mean, that's the person who really deserves a lot of credit. I mean, he, he wrote it, he directed it, and he, he did a really fun tone. Great, probably one of the best soundtracks in the history of cinema. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So number one, we both have it where it should be. Original Avengers. The original Avengers. Um, number one at the box office. Number two with the critics. Trails only the original Iron Man with critics. And I maintain it would still be number one if Iron Man wasn't the first one. <laughs> so, I, yeah. It's an A-plus cinema score, by the way. A cinema score ranks, for those who don't know, ranks what, how audiences reacted to a movie after seeing it in the theaters around that, that first week that it's come out. It is the only A-plus of the MCU movies, meaning that just about everybody who walked out of that movie said, oh my God, that was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) So what do you, let's try. Okay, it's number one. (laughs) So obviously we're going to sing its praises to Kingdom Come. But can you point out any flaws with it? Is there anything you didn't like about it? No. (laughs) No here too. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I really try. It's, it is okay. There is a flaw for you. I know it. I'm gonna I'm gonna poke your buttons a little bit. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Not enough Hawkeye. It's not. I don't even think that it's there wasn't enough Hawkeye. It's just that the uh, his character was so shortchanged. His character is so much more important than spending more than half the movie brainwashed by Loki. Right. 
but it worked for that film. It's hard for me. Like, I love Hawkeye. Like, I really, really love Hawkeye. And I would love to have seen more of him. Uh, like, he didn't... Okay, I'll say this. He didn't have the attitude that he always has that, and that he has had subsequently where he where he sort of make joke, makes jokes or says cutting things or, like, when he aims the arrow at the back of Quicksilver and says, nobody would know. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> much more in line with the comic book character. Yes. Agreed. I think the reason why you say it works for that movie, though, is because you know so much about Hawkeye. So in your mind, the character already existed. Right. Whereas I think in the – and I didn't know much about Hawkeye before I saw this movie. I think that is the flaw that I can point is a lot of people didn't know who Hawkeye was and how important he was. So that kind of watered down the impact. You're right. It does work for that movie if you know who Hawkeye was. Mm-hmm. I think to the casual goer, I think that's a really big flaw and I think there's probably a lot of Hawkeye fans that were disappointed that he got so shortchanged because they wanted him more to have a b- better role than he did. But he only really got one one line that sounded like like again like that attitude and like how Clint usually sounds, which is when Thor says, "I have business with Loki," and he says, "Yeah, get in line," <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's that's pretty much who Clint is. But I yeah, you're right. They not enough Hawkeye, not not enough handling of Hawkeye. But for that's a movie that just should not have worked. That where Joss Whedon takes all these disparate elements and there and even tonally the the different films had been very different from each other, and he put them all together. And yes, Hawkeye was his sacrificial lamb. <laughs> that is, he really his, was the the character that he sacrificed on the altar of make this movie work. But the movie works so well. Yeah, and that's one unfortunate side effect of it is people don't take Hawkeye that seriously. Like, you watch Screen Junkies or Cinema Sins or anything, they always make fun of Hawkeye because of that. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a shame. But the thing to me, the reason why it just, I mean, it's like, it's a fantastic film. There's like, I had to reach really hard to find a flaw just now. And that speaks volumes. But. I, it's so well written. It's so well, like the humor ties in well with the drama and the stakes, the epicness. Like I talked about that when I talked about Ultron. An Avengers movie has to have a sense of epicness. Mm-hmm. And it hits all those beats, beat for beat. But I think one of the things why to me it's number one, and there's a good chance it may always be my number one, is that you cannot capture the moment. You cannot capture the feeling of how historic that film was. I mean, DC can try all they want, man, but when they come up with Justice League, it's not going to be the same because of how Marvel did it, of giving every character a solo film, of, you know, just like building it so naturally and progressively to where when it came on screen to you, it was everything you would want. It It is what geeks and nerds longed for for so long and it delivered and like to me it delivered after like what a year two years of being excited i can only imagine how it delivered for like you know the guy who read avengers back in the 80s back in the 70s you know what it was like to see that happen can you imagine because there's so much history in comics and i just don't think you'll ever have such a historic moment in comics as to where they actually made an avengers movie did anybody ever think that was possible? Did anybody ever think that was going to happen? Probably not. And and they did it so well. Tom Hiddleston gives a performance that is still unmatchable. And and like I said, it was such a good performance. I think it handicaps a lot of 
films that follow. It handicaps every villain because every villain is going to be compared. Right. It handicaps anything he's ever in because it's not as good as his original. <laughs> it it is just you know it it will always overshadow Thor. So Chris Chris Hemsworth, while he's a great actor and everything, no matter how hard he tries, he will always live in a shadow. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's 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 amazing how great a performance he did and. Joss Whedon, you know, just he delivered something that so many people waited so long for. I don't think that can ever be matched. And I'm not even talking about the movie. I'm just talking about what the movie meant. You know? I, so. I read a Joss Whedon biography uh, that somebody wrote. And a bunch of people like Nathan Fillion and Tom Hiddleston and actors who've worked with Joss Whedon a lot, they, they sent in material for this biography. And Tom Hiddleston wrote Joss Whedon this really, like, Oh my oh, god, I love about you. the email, the right? The email. The yeah. email that he wrote him after he read the script where he was like, "You sir are amazing and you have just made my career and I and I know it." You know, <laughs> like it's that's not really what it says. What it says is that thank you for this wonderful character who, you know, is intelligent but at the same time flawed and la la la. But he was much more eloquent than I'm being. But you could tell that this guy was like, "Oh my god, I get to play the character like that is going to steal this movie." <laughs> and he did. He totally he stole did. the show. He yes. totally stole the show. I mean, he stole the show from Robert Downey Jr. Like, think about that for a second. Like, that—that that is why, like, all the Iron Man movies do well at the box office is because Robert Downey Jr. just has this star power with him. I mean, that's even why Civil War did so well. I mean, I don't take anything away from Chris Evans, but it, the, the box office and the critics give it more stake because and, – and I'm not taking anything away. Like, I'm not saying – like. Some people accuse Robert Downey Jr. of being a full-tale diva, which he is in some respects. But he brings everybody else up with him. It's not mm-hmm. like he overshadows everybody. But Tom Hiddleston <laughs> put him, cast a shadow on top of him. You, and, and I love that part. I use the, the term diva, but my, one of my favorite lines is like, Loki's a full-tale diva. He wants lights. He wants an audience. He wants a monument built to the sky with his name on it. And he goes, like, and then... Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chris Evans just looks at him it's like... So that's where he's going, huh? We just figured it out <laughs> by you being so full of yourself is we found someone more full of themselves. Than you, right. Yeah. And and it's almost like while he's saying that soliloquy, he is saying why Tom Hiddleston outshined him. <laughs> and that's just, just This guy's that's, character is better than mine and I don't Loki is so is so iconic at this point that they had to cut him from Age of Ultron. Because when they showed a cut of that movie where he's in Thor's dream sequence, people immediately assumed Loki was behind Ultron. Yeah, they thought he was the puppet master. Yeah, that I, They were like, oh my god, okay, Loki's in this. Now suddenly it makes sense to us. And they had to cut him from the movie because people like didn't understand why he was there. That is how iconic he is. He can't and justifiably just, so, because that would take so much away from Ultron if they would have left that in there. Yes, for sure. But also, like, you think about it, he's now a character on par with the Joker in that the Joker cannot... I mean, I'm not saying I understand the Joker is more iconic than Loki still, I agree. But you can't just have the Joker sort of cameo in a movie and without it totally pulling focus from everything else. It can't happen, and Loki can't do it anymore. And that's... Who would have thought Loki is now a character (laughs) that cannot cameo in a movie? (laughs) And and I think a lot of people, you know, that's just kind of speaks to his performance is that a lot of people like, okay, so who's the villain in this movie? The guy from Thor, the whiny brother who didn't get his way in Thor. Oh, wait, he's amazing. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, he's awesome. 
and and we've been gushing about him for I don't know how long now, but like I that's not to take away from every other character. I mean, I'll yes. I'll, I'll still say Colby Smulders like. I would have picked someone. That's that's probably the one casting choice I disagree with in the entire MCU is Colby Smulders with Maria Hill. But, I mean, Mark Ruffalo, I, gosh, that was yes. probably the big. I mean, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Robert Downey Jr., the, you know, I guess you could say the three pillars of, of the Avengers, all did fantastic work. Their characters are good. There's not much more you can say other than they did a great job and they did everything that they should have done, great performances. But Mark Ruffalo... Having not, like, this is the first time he played Hulk. Like, let's not forget that, that the Hulk was never played by Mark Ruffalo before this movie. And it was the best Hulk movie I've ever seen. Like, have you seen a better Hulk movie? I haven't. No, that is <laughs> that is the best the Hulk has ever been in a movie, for sure. And he he captures Bruce Banner. He captures the Hulk I mean, in CGI. <laughs> but... And the little touches. This is something I just adore about Joss Whedon is the little touches. We talked about this with Ultron, how there were just all these little character beats that really just say volumes about a character. When we are introduced to Bruce Banner and he's talking to Black Widow, he starts rocking a cradle and says, I don't every time get what I want. <laughs> and, and you're like, this is a man who will never have a family. Yeah. And it's just all these little touches like that that just kill me, but the Hulk got most of the best ones, to be honest. Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> No doubt. <sighs> well, I'd love to keep gushing. <laughs> right, about I'm how afraid. this is just the best movie ever made. And... Yeah, but I'm afraid we need to wrap now. We, uh, I'm probably going to split this into two tracks. We're coming close to two hours, but gosh, wasn't that fun? It was so right. much fun. It was a lot of fun. Did you, okay, this is just an aside. Did you actually, yeah. you had before said you wanted to talk about trends? Um, I kind of felt like we up? covered them throughout. I, okay. I mean, okay. we can say very quickly, like like I pointed out, the the Cap movies move up in with critics over time, and the Iron Man movies go down. I thought that was an that was just an interesting observation while I was making my list and doing my research. Um, you know, we've come to a point where it's there's been a lot of good screenwriting, a lot of good directors, and I think it speaks volumes to the future of. It feels weird saying the franchise because they're they're multiple franchises under one banner, but I guess you could say it is one big franchise. Mm -hmm. I mean, like like you know now they're bringing in like the hot directors, like Ryan Coogler, <laughs> like you know, yes. like when the hot directors are getting hot, like their goal is to get a Marvel movie now, <laughs> and and like Ryan Coogler has just come out with a lot of great uh, things that have got generated a lot of good buzz. He's saying that 90% of the Black Panther cast will be African-American. He's saying that uh, it's going to be the most personal film he's ever made. That's saying a lot for a guy who made Fruitvale Station. Station, yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. They, they're, they're, choose they're on their A game, right? Like, just think, look at who they're getting to write and direct. And, and they're also sticking with people who've worked, like Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. and, and I just I pray that they don't slip <laughs> it's, it's almost, because we are at a point we just like we just talked about 13 movies like you and I probably both like 11 to 12 of the 13 movies right and we've gushed so much it's if it, you're at a point where you feel like they can do no wrong and I worry that there's going to be a slip at some point <laughs> I hope that phase three at least can be completed and and once they move on past phase three, I feel like maybe it'll start kind of subsiding a little bit. Like it'll still be fun, don't get me wrong, 
but I don't think the comic book world, especially in terms of cinema, will quite be at the apex as it is today. I'm comfortable saying Doctor Strange will be great. I, I think it will be. I, I'm not nervous for that one specifically. I'm just, you have so much coming. You have, how many movies are in Phase 3? There's more movies in Phase 3 than there were Phase 1 or 2. Yeah, so. possibly combined. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they did move the Inhumans movie off the slate, so I guess that kind of helps. But right, yeah. There's just so much going. I just worry that there's going to be one that's just going to be like, it's going to, it's a big balloon. It's got to pop at some point. I just, uh, yeah. I hope it doesn't pop soon. If we're at a, like I said, we're just at a point where it feels like they can do no wrong, and I hope that trend continues at least for the next four to five years. So Disney will lose their shit if the superhero bubble bursts. Uh, I mean, Disney will find a way to make money. They still have no, Star I, Wars. I, so, I, mean. I didn't say lose their shirt. I said lose their shit. They'll be fine financially, but they'll be quite upset that they paid $4.5 billion for a, for this Marvel uh, thing that only pumped out like $10 billion on the return on their investment. I don't think it'll pump more than that. It's actually at $10 billion now, if I'm not mistaken. We well, no, about... that's total for all 13, and Disney's only done since... Avengers one. That's a good point. Yeah, like a lot of the first. Yeah, you're right because they were all done through Paramount. Am I right? Yeah, Paramount. Paramount's kicking themselves. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what the hell were you thinking? Yeah. Right. Oh, good stuff. All good things, Marvel. All good. It's a great time to be alive. We've said it millions of times. We're gonna keep saying it as long as there's stuff for us to talk about. Yeah. So yeah. Well. That was fun. Like, I'm really surprised we were not as combative as I thought. Our lists were actually very close. Does that surprise you? I mean, we've only been friends for 10 years. so Right. I'm not surprised because I actually think I could have made your list for you. <laughs> I Really, like, I, I had a pretty good idea of what you were going to like and not like. I wouldn't have had you putting the first Avenger as low as you did, but but I knew you didn't like it that much. And I knew that Ant-Man was going to be way up there for you. So, yeah, I, I, I think Guardians was the one that shocked me the most that you did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it shocked me, too. <laughs> and, and I'm still looking. Like I tell you, I mean, I, I, I've spent a lot of time staring. Like, I've got this piece of paper. You can't see it, guys. But I've got this piece of paper that has three separate lists just, with oh my God. arrows all over the place. And, and I, I swear, I've been staring at Guardians. So <laughs> I'm trying to... Yeah, I'm not surprised at your list either. I'm, I'm, I'm more probably more surprised than you at how close our lists are. But maybe it's just because we spend so much time together, seen a lot of these movies together. <laughs> so I guess that kind of is why we're we have very similar tastes. Why we're why we can work so well together to have a podcast without you know always going to the mat. <laughs> but, right, right. Yeah, but I'm also gonna bet that we're gonna have a lot of listeners who are gonna want to want to throw it out with our list so keep it civil folks keep it civil i encourage every one of you guys to send us your lists to argue that not argue but to disagree peacefully <laughs> <laughs> of why you think this movie should be higher or that movie should be lower i completely encourage it we're on twitter my handle's at matt underscore he says ashley's is at ashley underscore she says tweet us your lists Put them in the comments here. We're on SoundCloud. You can put the comments in SoundCloud. Whatever you got to do, I would love to see more discussion from you guys. 
and and but again just keep it civil guys <laughs> let's, let's not lose our shit <laughs> so, <laughs> and somehow we pulled that off i didn't think we would but we did so see how nice we were to each other even though he dissed one of my favorite mcu movies <laughs> just a couple of mine too <laughs> right right all, all right. right well that should do it yep yeah, a thousand plays we did it we Woo-hoo! did it We've hit a thousand plays. We really appreciate everybody who has taken the time to listen to us, and uh, things are only going to get better from here. We love we love doing this show. So, yeah. Until next time, I am Matt the He if he says she says, and I'm Ashley the She if he says she says. We'll catch you next week, children. Come back here! I'm not finished with you. Doberman. Oh, oh man, man, that's no, 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 no,